Hey friends, it's your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy GM Prep. In this show, I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday role-playing game. In this case, I am running Scarlet Citadel by Kobold Press for 5th edition. This show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. To the patrons of Sly Flourish, thank you so much for your support. I think this is going to be the final session of this campaign. We are, I think it's like 35 sessions or something like that that we've gone through. I don't even remember how many sessions. A lot. Many, many sessions. And I think today it's time. It's time to be done. So we're going to talk about what it's like, and we're not going to talk about what's like. We're actually going to go through the process of coming up with our conclusion for a game. And much like the conclusion of any campaign, I kind of like to have lots of wide options, lots of wide decisions, and lots of secrets and clues for them to discover, and lots of different ways to go. But it all sort of narrows down, and it narrows down to this point. And at first, you're like, okay, the number of different things that you have to do dramatically decreases in order to get to that conclusion. And then it really spirals down. And when you come to that last session, it's like, what's the absolute, what are the absolute things that have to happen for that session to complete? Because it's real easy to try to pack a bunch of stuff in, and then you're out of time. And you don't want to short shift the one year later. You want to give probably like 20 minutes for what happens one year later. You want to really let the players grab onto the end of that game, talk about what happened with their characters, talk about where they go. You really, you really want to have that stuff. And that is what we are going to talk about today. So let's get our notes set up here. Scarlet Citadel. We will generate a session planning template. Put in the date. Today is 13 August. We've got that. And so what happened? Where are they currently? They they made their way. So they had a lot of questions. Let's see. They fought the Shogoth and defeated the Shogoth. They went outside and saw that a bunch of the... No, they never actually saw the desiccated corpses of all of the guys. They were like listening at the door and they didn't hear anything. And they're like, well, we're not going out there because we know there's a bunch of guys out there. So let's teleport away. So they actually... It was really fun. We actually had a crossover episode where one of the players plays in both my Wednesday game and my Sunday game. And in the Wednesday game, he plays a like a porcupine rogue lawyer who has been working with a rat folk. They, they kind of rescued a rat folk who has been climbing the ranks of Zobek and is now a consul of Zobek and also like this sort of a crime lord, but like, you know, petty crimes. He's not like a major crime lord. And he's got a big vault. He's sort of taken over this bar. And he built a big fancy vault. And the characters in my Wednesday game secured the vault. And the big joke is he, they secured the vault, especially from him, but he actually has a way into the vault. So then the other characters in the Sunday game are like, we've got these icosahedrons. They're dangerous. We don't want them to get in the hands of the main bad guy. So if he dies, if Gellert the Gruesome kills us, we don't want him to get these things. So where do we put them? And Jay's character, sorry, Jerry's character said, hey... I know a guy in Zobek. Why don't we go to Zobek and we'll bring the icosahedrons and we'll have like a big, we'll, we'll, we'll store the icosahedrons in the vault. And so they went back and now I had all of this material from the other game. And I was wor- a little worried. Like I, throughout it, I was like, I, am I just like, is it just me and Jerry having fun talking about things that he knows from two different characters or are the other players actually enjoying it? And I talked to them and they said, no, no, this is cool. Like, you know, Cause it's kind of like, hey, we got this super rich setting with all these interesting NPCs that they've never met before. And I always describe them as like people they hadn't met before, but they had all this like, you know, super thick 
character background stuff because we've been running and playing these guys for another year in a whole other campaign. So it was like I had they were like, oh, man, are we going to totally screw? They actually asked, like, are we going to totally screw up your game if we end up teleporting to Zobek and having to go to a vault? Like, you're not ready for that, are you? And I'm like, I'm totally ready for that. I said, this is you think this is hard. This is Jerry serving up a softball to me. Right. This is easy. And so they went there and we had this big scene and they went to this crime lord and they agreed to give him like twenty five hundred gold to store the icosahedrons under the condition that if they don't come back alive. He gets to keep them. And he doesn't even know what they are, but he's like, well, those things are something special. And then they'll pay him another twenty five hundred gold when he when they come to get them again. He said, sure. And then he's thinking, like, should I murder these guys? I could kill them and just keep them. They're probably worth more than twenty five hundred gold. But it's like, ah, I don't know. I'm busy. I got console stuff to do. Yeah, I'm a console of Zobek. I can't just be murdering people for artifacts. So they stored him in the vault. He had like a wand. And he's like, hey, make sure not to tell anybody about this. And he used a wand and he opened up the vault and then went inside and put, put the Icosahedrons. And there's all the treasure from all the, from the other group has filled this treasure hoard. And uh, uh, so they put the two Icosahedrons that they have in there. Then they went back. They said, we're going to skip the third, which was with the, the Spiders of Ling. They said, we're going to skip the Spiders of Ling. We're going to go straight to the bottom and we're going to get the fourth one, which we know is sitting right there at the rift. What they don't know, I think, is that it is the rift. I think that the fourth icosahedron is totally open and inside of it is this hole, right? This hole in the world that is growing and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's got terrible entities on the other side. So, so they went down there and then I'm thinking, okay, well, since they went for the fourth, that means Gellert the Gruesome went for the third. But I don't know how Gellert is necessarily going to come into play. He may, it's, you know, it's going to depend on how much time we've got. And, and I don't know, I'm going to play with some flow, you know, somebody, I'm going to give myself some options here to see how the game feels. But one of the important things, so anyway, that's where, that's where it stood is they, they made their way down into the, the, the howling halls and they are really like just a room or two away from uh, the hole in the world which is really the finale and that's good because you know again i'm ready to be done i'm ready to be done and i want to i want to finish it up one thing is i've got players who are out so I, I have a player who's out today which is a bummer i have one player who can't make the conclusion but but i also have multiple players who are out the following weeks so there isn't going to be a good time which means somebody's going to miss out there's there's no way for me to run this and not either totally less like let it lag and then we put it off and that's the curse of death so sometimes here's your tip for the day and it's a bad one sometimes you have to run the finale of a session and somebody's going to have to miss it the scheduling is just too hard human beings we are busy people we got lots going on it's summer you know people have big schedules somebody's going to miss out especially if you have six players the likelihood that all six make it is rare that's why we have six. You have six so that you can run with four. So it sucks, but I, there's no good way around it. One of the things I want to do, though, is go through the go through the characters and ask myself, what needs to happen in this session, this finale? What are some things that some, some things I can tee up for them to, to help give them the kind of conclusion that they want? Now, I haven't asked them, like, what conclusion do you want? I really don't know that, but I kind of know about the characters. I sort of know the things that are going on, and I want to think about them. And make sure that there's an opening there. So an example is for, so Bart is not going to be there, but Dorn will be. So for Dorn, when the final icosahedron collapses, the river sticks, the tributary, the Black River, calms, and the boatman is ready to take him to the afterlife. Whether he takes it or not, he wants to stay alive. And so 
I'm I'm willing to give him like a, a question on like how how he can make that choice. Garble with the final with the final icosahedron closed, the mushroom folk can have a new home here beneath the citadel among the balanced the balanced paths of the ley lines crossing through. Mez Dorn Bold can let go of Potter's body, which can finally be laid to rest. Another thing I want to do is have like strange, I don't know if there's enough time for this, strange growths here, strange, strange plants that aren't available anywhere else. Part of me wants to give Mez the opportunity to, so, so Mez is like a parfumier and a herbalist, right? And has, we have this whole other thing. And I don't really feel like we've spent enough time with that, but I don't know that we're going to be able to now. Because it's right before a final battle. I think they're going to face like one dude. I think it's going to be like one bad guy. And I think they're not really going to have a chance to do a lot of like manipulation of, of spores and vines and things. But maybe, maybe there's an opportunity here. I don't know. Malarkey. What, what, what they can channel the weird weaver hearing its call. And Skrink, the weird weaver brought Skrink back to this place to, and back from the dead, to free the Weird Reaver's prisons, to, to, to shatter the bonds of the Weird Reaver. So another thing is like combat wise, what can we do, right? What, so I'm, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna think about the battle yet. I'm gonna instead say like, what do these characters like to do? So Dorne likes to tank big monsters that can't, hit anyone else. I'll give another tip. So lightning rod, I've talked about lightning rods before. And the idea of a lightning rod are monsters that are placed in big battles that are designed to fit what a character's capabilities are. There's really two types of lightning rods. There's pretty it's pretty straightforward on what the types of lightning rods are. But an example is if you have a char- if you have a player who just loves, hey, I've got a cleric and I I have turn undead and I love using it. You always throw lots of low level undead so that they can cast turn and blow them away. If you have like a wizard who loves casting fireball, you have a bunch of creatures that attack in a perfect 30, 20 foot radius that have fewer hit points than like the minimum roll of a fireball. Like, you know, give them like 12 or 14 hit points. That way you're putting a bunch of monsters in place. And then an example for, for somebody like this, where they like to tank big monsters, you, you put big monsters in there who have big devastating attacks, but miss. But, you know, but maybe not, they don't attack that often. Maybe they only have like two, but the, this character can tank them and likes to be missed, you know, likes, the char- likes to be attacked and missed a lot. Now, the truth is there's really only two kinds of lightning rods. There's great big single, single big monsters and lots of little monsters that if you, if you have single big monsters, and I mean not single, but like a, a handful, a small number of big monsters, they hit a bunch of different things. A single big monster is easy to crowd control with something like Banish or Polymorph or hypnotic pattern, yeah, any of the things that sort of take them out of commission. They're, they're, it's good for that. They're good to tank. Again, if you have a character who loves to have a high armor class, they can run up and they can essentially immobilize a creature by having it constantly attack them and it misses all the time. Those are really the two big advantages of the big ones. And then you have lots of little guys and that's basically all of the widespread crowd control, your sleep spells, your hypnotic pattern spells, and your big area damage spells, your fireballs and your lightning bolts. When you're doing a boss fight, a good model for a boss fight is a mixture of like normal guys that are basically one-to-one with a number of characters. 
So like if there are six characters, there are six of these guys. Then four to one or six to one of a bunch of small dudes. And then usually one for every two characters for great big dudes. Maybe even one for every three characters, depending on how many may have. Make them bigger. And then have a boss, right? And if you have that four stages, those, those that four stage battle, it gives everybody a lot of things to do. You would not want to put all of those variants in there if you don't have characters who can handle them. An example is, let's say you don't have anybody that's particularly good at crowd control. They don't use fireball. They don't use wall fire. They don't use any of the big crowd control spells. Well, then you probably don't do a lot of little dudes because they're just going to be sitting there. Same way, if you don't have anybody that's doing a lot of crowd control, you might not want to have those great big guys or maybe fewer of those great big guys. You can look at like who the characters characters are and what kind of creatures that they like to face put those guys in and boss fights are the perfect place to do that because boss fights are great for waves of monsters they are great for big set piece battles and it's okay in my opinion boss fights are like where you run and manipulate the situation as much as possible because you definitely have like a feeling that you want to have with a boss fight a boss fight wants to feel a certain way you don't want to be boring you don't want it to be hopeless you want this you know in the boss fight you want ups and downs and ups and downs and waves are a way to do that the down is you get attacked by a bunch of dudes the up is you beat those guys the down is another wave comes the, the upbeat is you have the right tools to defeat that the, then another you know so you're doing these up and downward beats throughout the battle and you can do role playing and you can have the environment shift and you can do all this other stuff when when you want to have your hands on the dials the, the boss fights like this are really where you want your hands on the dials so garble really loves to to sneak attack and and pile damage up on a single foe. Mez, what does Mez like to do in combat? Mez likes to use, have opportunities to use herbs. I think he is still a field medic. So opportunities to heal other characters and is a strong fighter on top of that. So, you know, tanking big things. Doesn't have quite the same armor class. So probably more of like doing damage to medium-sized foes malarkey what kind of spells i don't know that malarkey so malarkey is a warlock and oh one thing that garble loves to do is really loves to use the wand of wonder which i think will have two effects in this place so malarkey is a warlock uh i don't know what spell what the bigger spells are so obviously like eldritch blasting and eldritch blasting creatures and staying in the back. I don't know what other... I don't know if, if Malarkey has a lot of crowd control. Skrink has fireball. Loves, loves fireballing stuff. And you know, a handful of other spells. Likes counterspelling. Anything else that Skrink really likes to do. Oh, using, using his pet. You know, having a pet that attacks things too. So like distracting things with a pet. So those, you know, those are things to keep in mind. But again, and I don't know that I'm going to do a big four-stage battle with this but those are all things that i want to keep in mind i think it's going to have to be more than one big foe i think i want to have you know at least a couple of waves so their strong start let's actually pull up the pdf of where do i have it we'll bring it up in here now we can do it over here and we are down in the howling halls oh i know what i need to bring up is my albert rodeo let's bring that up one thing i will say i i have i have given I've criticized Scarlet Citadel and I still hold by those criticisms in the last in the last battle. But it's great for VTTs, I'll tell you. <laughs> so they ended in this battle. They just fought a bunch of salt devils, which was kind of fun. And now they're making their way. And I think I'm gonna have all of these chambers basically be empty. 
I do not think I'm going to worry. I'm not going to, you know, we're going to skip. I think I'll describe things that they discover here, but they're not going to face anybody anymore. Let me just see what was in those rooms. Because what we're not going to have is a bunch of, you know, bunch of fights. So that is 603, 604, 605, and 606. So 603, Circle of Salt. We already had Salt Devils because I already ran those. Court of Salt Devils scribed a teleportation circle on the floor of this chamber along the eastern wall. They use it to bounce at will between here, their home in the Nine Hells, and the Plain of Salt. Infernal runes cover the whole floor. So we could just put the, I think we'll just have a summoning circle in here, which is where the salt devil was. And maybe like if they do some work, it could open up a portal to the nine hells. Interesting they call it the nine hells because I think Midgard has different hells than, than like the standard 5e settings. The maelstrom door. Door is open. It's howling. Wind is whipping through. Uh, and they, get, they can get pulled in if they're not careful. Uh, so it's a 603. Hang on. So 603. So as a DC, they're going to get pulled in. And then 604, they get pulled even further. And the little asterisks on here are like how far they get pulled and 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 in, and they get slammed up against the, the walls. 604 is, I think, just the door, which is good. So that's kind of a fun little challenge to get through and not get completely obliterated. 605 is the, the, the void? No. Yeah, 605, they see the void. They see the... the they see the they can see the hole in the world but they can't open it yet and then 606 is the control room that'll be fun they can deal with that so basically we're not going to have any fights and then they open it up and then they they deal with 614 so scene wise if we're looking at our scenes we're going to go to our scenes first and then we'll figure out our strong start the summoning circle of the the salt devils the maelstrom door the door control opportunity for a short rest and then the maelstrom, the, the, the maelstrom, right? The hole in the world. Thin, right? One year later. So that is good. So where did it, so there's, they just defeated the salt devils. I think a huge surge, they have 90 minutes left. They have 90 minutes left before the rift opens too wide to close. It'll, and you know, within, within a few hours, it will devour the entire... Scarlet Citadel, and within the day, destroy all of Red Tower. Within a week, destroy all the whole Crossroads region. So this we're, we're setting an actual timer on this, and I think it could be sort of like an in-game timer, where essentially they have like 90 minutes, but that includes them getting a, a rest. But, but basically, like we'll, we'll have sort of like real world, I don't know. I don't know if we'll have like a full you know, set the time. But I think that that works. Any secrets and clues? The devils, the salt devils, and Morda, let's see. Oh, built a summoning here in the halls that summoned the salt devils. It doesn't work anymore. Other secrets and clues. Clara and the witch, what was her name? Zula have forgiven one another. Loki is on the path to take over as a mayor of Red Tower. So Brynjar, who's been possessed by Loki, is getting ready to take over Red Tower. Kagoth Z uh, has awoken as a small child in the library of the elves a few thousand years ago. Maybe a few thousand years in the future. 
I'm kind of doing like what, each of the four, each of the four things. And then Danesca uh, has become a huge sentient ooze with lots of little Danescas roaming floors to, I guess, well, she, she's probably still around, but I think all of her power, because she'll, she'll, I think with, with the icosahedron two through four, once the ley lines are restored, she reverts to just a single ooze roaming around level two. So that's what happens to the bosses. I don't know. Well, yeah. So we're going to think about this big final fight and we're going to decide if Gellert the Gruesome needs to show up or not. I don't know how that's going to work. I mean, that might be a good opportunity to, for that waves of combat, right? He might be like a wave two. I think, yeah, maybe we'll do that. Because I think if we can get there fast enough, we could run like a three wave battle. But we'll, we'll have to see. If he doesn't return to the rift, Gellert escapes with one of the four, one of the four icosahedrons. He might just leave. I think a lot of that will be, this is kind of interesting. Like how long they take in these early stages will say whether or not Gellert escapes or whether they get to stop Gellert. It's not exactly perfect, but it can kind of work. Any other, what other secrets? What are other things are happening like up above or around? Blue stays true to his word and doesn't screw with or sell the icosahedrons. Mostly because he forgot about them for whatever his next scam was. Any other secrets that we want to reveal? I don't know. I feel, well, we can, we can, we can drop in three more if we need. Is there anything, I, I, I doubt there's anything from last time. We'll take a look here. I say, is there anything that happened last time? We answered that. Gellert the Gruesome left the final icosahedron at the site of the rift. Yes. It doesn't really exist. It's a placebo. The real icosahedron, yeah, because Bart's not there, I think we're going to dump that. Spiders became aware of the rift, and we have a bunch of, like, spiders a ling. I guess that's a secret. It could be that possible that Gellert, la if Gellert escapes, he takes the final icosahedron to the plateau of ling, where he plans to experiment with it. That would be kind of interesting. Otherwise, he might have either destroyed or negotiated with the spiders of ling to escape the Scarlet Citadel. So if he shows up, he will have destroyed the Spiders of Ling and said, I can go back and get the other one. Otherwise, he might say, no, nah, it's too risky. I'm going to just leave. You know, that, that, that works. Let's just see if there's any other. I don't think there's any other secrets. There's some fun Spiders of Ling stuff. Uh, we're going to take this whole secret and we're going to use that. And that's because I want to have some information about Ling. Like what's, you know, there's a whole other side of Ling. The Plateau of Ling is an alien place existing in the lost sands of the Dragon Empire to the north. Some say it reaches out and touches the realms beyond. The spiders of Ling rule over thousands of thralls whose minds have been twisted beyond thought as they serve their otherworldly masters. I think that's kind of, it'd be, that'd be a fun, a fun sort of ending. Okay. Fantastic locations we're going to replace with final encounter. And what are some key things? So instead of worrying about like the look, cause there's really only the one. And this is where we have like wave one could be. And I think the book said that there's a bunch of these, where is it? There's these frag rights. Let's take a look at those. Where's the creature codex. Oh, look at that thing. That's cool. 
91. Boy, they're, they're heavy hitters. That's too hard, right? That doesn't serve my needs. That's a good big thing to crowd control if I need them. Two strikes, plus six, 12 damage eve. Glass form is less than half its total hit points. Its attack instead deals 16. That's interesting. Mini Fragrites. And what we'll use for these, we're going to use some Forge of Foes stuff. And we'll probably like CR1s. I like the amount. Let's see. I, we could do CR1 halves. 22 hit points is enough that a fireball would destroy them. Two attacks. We could instead make that one attack, but it's plus eight or it's eight damage. We could do CR1 quarters. So I think we'll do these. We're going to have mini Fragrites. This is when we're getting into like the practicality of their CR1 quarter. They are AC. I like the idea of AC 11. That's good. Hit points, we're going to give them 10. So they're definitely easy to hit. They are plus three. We're going to make them plus four. And they can see in the sandstorm. So they, they have an easier time. So plus four to hit for, and then five damage. We want to up that. I mean, they're level eight. I don't think, because we're going to have a lot of them. So how many are there? 30 of these guys? 30 mini fragrites? So we do our monsters down here. So the Deadly Encounter benchmark, they are now level eight. There's going to be five of them. Five times eight is 40. Half of 40 is 20. So they can handle 20. 20 is like the maximum total number of CRs. If these guys are CR one quarters, they can handle 80 of them. That's too many. We'll do 30. So that's wave one. We, can, we don't need that. And they'll do slashing damage. Wave two is probably a... Let's see. Again, CR is 20. There are there are five of them, so they could handle CR fours. We'll do probably three full-sized fragrites. And we have that in the monster database. So we can click that. And we have the stats for the fragrite is right in there. Wave three could be Kagoth and his clay golem, his clay guardian. Something nice and big to control. Kagoth Z is a mate. He's got his cones of cold and his other stuff, greater invisibilities, dimension doors. You know, pretty pretty suitable mage. And then wave four is the, I think we have to update it. Let's bring up another window, Tome Beast one. It is a voidling, the voidling. And, whoops, but this is the old stat block for the voidling. So we're gonna replace it. Actually, we'll get that. And then it is really nasty. And we will, let's see, get rid of this. And then we go here and say, format the above as a D&D 5e stat block. Look at that, done. Now I got a nice Voidling stat block. Perfect. So that's four waves of combat. That's a lot. There's a lot that can go on here too. And I could skip some of it. Like, you know, you can always turn the dials on the frag rights and give them fewer hit points so they get, they get destroyed more quickly. You can also have Kagoth Z and his clay golem show up. You know, Kagoth Z and the clay golem could show up and destroy any remaining fragrites if you want to speed things up. So I think that that works. But that feels like a pretty strong final battle. And then some the environmental effect is, I think, like lightning bolts. Lightning bolts are, void, are, are arcing out of the void. And I think there might be an opportunity, one who holds, but they don't have an icosahedron. So on their turn, one can use a, can make a attempt, a DC 15 intelligence arcana check 
to reroute a lightning bolt towards... I don't know why spell checking doesn't work really well in Notion. Reroute a lightning bolt towards an enemy or two of their choice. Or two of their choice. As a bonus action. Uh, on a failure, on DC 10 or below, it arcs to them. That's fun. So one big question is closing the rift itself. Now we could have it that if they defeat the Voidling, they close the rift. But do we want to have, do we want to require some form of sacrifice as well? And I don't know if we need to. So closing the rift, the options are defeat the Voidling or close the Icosahedron, the fourth Icosahedron, DC 20 intelligence arcana check and hurl it plus yourself into the void. You have to physically push it in. Doing so means you're destroyed. And so is the icosahedron. There are still three of them remaining. Even if you, so there's one that's there. Let's think about the icosahedrons for a minute. So the, there are four icosahedrons. Two of them are now in a vault in Zobek. One of them is in the hands of Gellert the Gruesome one way or the other. He's either allied with the Spiders of Ling or he killed them and took it. He may either bring it down to the vault to try to, or down to the rift itself to try to close it, or he may just escape with the spiders and say, well, never mind, I'll go to the Plateau of Ling and I'll work on it there. I'll use it to manipulate other ley lines. And then the fourth is sitting there open and the void is what, you know, the, like the plates of the icosahedron, which looks like a big D20. Each triangular shaped plate is whirling around this massive hole that's getting bigger, but somebody can try to pull those pieces together, slam it shut, but the rift is already open and it's not going to shut. And they either have to destroy the voidling or grab the icosahedron and leap through. And if they do that, that will, it will collapse upon itself. That icosahedron will be destroyed. There would still be three others, but they're separated enough. And maybe that's okay. Maybe it's like, well, you don't have to destroy all four. They're just, they're closed. And as long as you make sure nobody can ever get a hold of them again, they can't manipulate the ley lines the same way they manipulated them before. Like it was the combined effect of the four of them that really made it dangerous. And if there's only three of them and if they're separated all over the world, even if Kagoth Z is able to manipulate one of them, he still won't be able to do near the damage that he was doing elsewhere. And that would be also like an open, an open ended kind of question. So I think that's probably okay. Yeah. I meant Gellert the Gruesome, not Kagoth Z. Did I say Kagoth Z? Yeah. Wave three is Gellert the Gruesome. Sorry. That was a mistake. I got my I got my NPCs mixed up. I might get with the gruesome this whole time. So does that does that give me everything I need? I feel like it. Like I you know that's it's pretty straightforward. I have a, you know a little bit of a puzzle, option for a rest, then a great big fight. The mini frag rights. Yeah, I mean I think that's fun. Thirty of them. So there are five characters. So they each get attacked by what is that six? Sounds like six each. Do I have that right? 30 divided by 5. Sounds like 6. So they're each attacked by 6. And, you know, if I do my 1 quarter succeed, that means like one of one or two of them will hit. I can actually combine them into a couple of attack rolls. We'll do like, you know, two attack rolls per character. Roll twice. They take 15 damage per hit. I expect this session to probably take three hours. Three hours is how long our game goes. And I think if it takes too long, I may skip... I may either skip wave two or wave three because 
I mean, I could skip any of these waves. So, like, which which one of these is? I think the there's not a lot of characters that crowd control. Man, I could skip it down to just wave three and four. I don't really need wave one and two. So we'll see how far it goes. And there's still an option for crowd control, but you know, like, because I think Skrink is the only one that hits a lot of a lot of creatures. So that wave one could probably not happen. Um, and then instead we just do regular frag rights. Then maybe Gellert the Gruesome and then the Voidling. Or if they're taking a long time, maybe they go in and Gellert the Gruesome is there. And there's like the lightning bolts being blasted and there's Gellert the Gruesome and there's his Clay Guardian. And you can like control the Clay Guardian and stuff like that. And then the Voidling. Like you could even do just two waves of Gellert and the Clay Guardian and the Voidling. That still has options for fighting a great big creature, the Clay Golem, the Clay Guardian. It's still really dangerous. But maybe we skip, you know, maybe we skip wave one. And maybe we skip wave two. And I guess I would do them in that order. Evil Twin Mason says, why not have a narrative version of wave one and two? Well, the purpose of wave one and two is specifically designed for lightning rods. It's specifically designed to let the characters show off their cool character abilities. But only one of the characters has the ability to handle like a lot of small dudes. I mean, I think probably, you know, having three frag rights, you still have your ability to control. You still have some option to control. You still have some options to tank. Like this group, I think, is better with three big dudes than 30 small dudes. There's only one character, I think, that blasts them, but they do like their wand, of, their, their wand of Wonder as well, which could potentially take care of a lot of them. So, yeah. Yeah, somebody says, can you do the first two waves of skill challenge? I can, but again, that's not showing... It's not showing the capabilities of the character. The whole purpose of these waves is to show specific combat capabilities. They already have lots of ways to, to kind of show off their other skills and things like that because there's, you know, getting through those first puzzles are going to show that. So these are really just there to show off character abilities. But I don't know that we need the mini frag rights. I think we might do the full-size frag rights and then Gellert and the Clay Golem and then the Voidling. I think I might do that. So, yeah, we'll play that by ear. I have them ready. If I want them, if it feels right, monsters, I don't think I need any of this. We're going we're gonna to yank the whole monster section. I don't know if I can. Treasure. Oh, I had Gellert's. They'll be interested in it. Even though it's like the end, they still love this. And I have like Gellert's, you know, pouch. A blade of petals is probably not there. I forget what Gellert had. I think maybe I had that in the previous one. It's the old session notes. We've been playing this since October 9th. Yeah, here we go. Brutal shielding and a dagger called the unquiet dagger. I, I don't think I, I'm pretty sure I didn't give that out. Even when you're at the end of a campaign people still like their loot so it's still worth having some loot so i think we're pretty set i feel pretty good about it i got a lot of good material to use i thought my thought about my characters got my strong start and i think we're going to clean it up and then you know the, the one year later is the really important part that I'm, i want to have 20 minutes for this so if my game is ending at three i want to at 240 is when the end of the I, I need to pretend that the battle can only go to 240 to make sure that there's enough room for characters to have their their conclusions so we'll see how that we'll see how that plays out. All right, friends, I want to thank you all for hanging out with me today while I prepared for my Scarlet Citadel game. If you like this show and you want more stuff like this, please subscribe to the Sly Flourish newsletter. It is absolutely free to sign up. You get a free Adventure Generator PDF and you get a weekly RPG-related email sent directly to your inbox with links to all of the other stuff I do. If you want to follow the work that I do, subscribing to the newsletter is the absolute best way to do so. 
you can also support me directly on Patreon. Patrons get ac- get access to all kinds of exclusive things. The City of Arches Sourcebook, Uncovered Secrets Volume 1 and 2, a whole bunch of exclusive adventures, a dedicated Discord server, and a monthly Q&A. And you can pick up any of my books, including Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master, The Lazy DM's Workbook, and The Lazy DM's Companion, all on the Sly Flourish bookstore. Links to all of that are in the show notes. Thank you all so much. Have a great day. Get out there and play a role-playing game.